Well, good evening, Redeemer City Church. And I promised and I'm delivering that tonight I get to do this with my bride. If you don't know her, her name is Camden. And we have been married for how long? Pop quiz. Almost 12. Almost 12 years. Coming up on 12 years of marriage. And we thought it would be uh, fun for the two of us. Uh, to sit down and kind of talk about life under quarantine and what life has looked like during this pandemic. So I've got some notes uh, that I want to go through and kind of toss Camden some questions. And uh, That he showed me five minutes ago. Not true. It was at least ten. And uh, But let me pray for us and then we'll dive right in because we have a lot to cover. And hopefully you'll find it helpful. So let's pray. God, thank you for the chance we have tonight to gather by the miracle of technology. And while it's not the same and it's no substitute for being in the room together, uh, we are grateful for the tools that you've given us. And so I pray tonight that our conversation would be full of grace and truth. And that, Holy Spirit, you would use the truths we find in your word to help us as we navigate these uncertain times. And would you pour your blessings on it? We love you in your name. Amen. So, as I was thinking about what Cam and I would talk about um, for this midweek meetup, uh, I started thinking a lot about just like our life and a lot about what we're experiencing if you don't know our story we have three kids uh how old are they (laughs) one just turned 10 that's malachi um and malachi is adopted from ethiopia and then two bio kids seven almost eight boy maddox and baylor who is three almost four she's the girl the princess the one that that mitch has favoritism toward. Pray for your pastor. <laughs> she is my little princess, that's for sure. So obviously, quarantine has thrown us a curveball. Uh, you all obviously know what I do for a living as your pastor, but Camden also works full time for a marketing and advertising agency called Dunn Company here in Tampa. And so uh, life is interesting at the Coon House right now. And so uh, we are obviously homeschooling our three kids all of a sudden, or you're homeschooling. I'm in charge of PE and lunch uh, and Bible class, so I'm pulling my weight. And yeah, so you want to share anything about that? Yeah, it's just been a complete... 180 degree change of pace for us as I'm sure it is for everybody because we were very used to you know waking up super early in the morning doing a rat race of getting the kids out the door lunches packed backpacks packed separate cars to separate schools then route to my office um you know be there till at least five mm-hmm. then do the rounds again and um, try to spend like a couple of hours together as a family doing homework and dinner and um, wake up the next morning and do it again. And then the weekends were filled with like church stuff and we were 
hustling at a really fast pace. And hustling is still what's happening. It just looks completely different uh, because it's just a we're together all the time, 24 hours a day. I was like, I know that everybody is in this boat, but it's been um, a radical change for us. Yeah, and so I think because of those changes, one of the things that happens is a lot of the things that we had the illusion and that really I think everybody in culture, everybody in the world which that really doesn't happen too often where the whole world is experiencing the same thing. I think one of the things that happens is as you start to lose control over some things that you had the illusion that you had control over, um, there's some real emotions that start to creep in um, depending on what level of fear or anxiety um you might struggle with depending on your job situation or your family or who's been affected by the virus or there's any number of things. Um, I thought it would be fun for us to just walk through human emotions and what we can do about it. And so I want to start here in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Here's what scripture said. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's some promises there. There's some truth about who God is that really we have seen, and I'm sure many of you watching have seen, God be faithful over and over and over again. The very next verse says that he who is faithful will do this. And I feel like so many times, even in 12 years of marriage, we have watched God do things on our behalf or on our church's behalf or on people we love's behalf over and over and over and over again. And yet we still sometimes struggle to trust him that he's going to show up and that he's going to be faithful. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I know that anxiety is filling not just our hearts, but the hearts of the world right now in this time. And I always kick myself because I look back at the ways that God has showed up and provided, and he's done it before. Now, granted, we've never lived through a depression, which we might be embarking upon, but God has showed up for our family specifically in huge ways in the past. And I just always kick myself when I find myself doubting him and worry creeping in for my future. I forget, like, he has showed up in radical ways. Why Why am I picking now to doubt? Why do I so easily forget? Um, prone to wander, I guess. It's just the human spirit. Mm-hmm. One example I know, um, well, maybe two. There was one time in the recession of 2008, 2009, um, we, had got, we got married in 2008 and bought our first house really like before the market plummeted. 
And so in late 2009, 2010, we were upside down in that house. And God had called Mitch um, from one church to another church, and we had to move. And we had no idea how we were going to get out of this house. And I was so ridden with stress and anxiety and worry over what we were going to do. And, of course, within, like, days, God had brought a renter for the house that we couldn't sell, and she just turned out to be fabulous. Mm-hmm. And that I was young, but yet just realized so early on that God will take care of us. He will provide. Um, and yet, like, a few years later when we were working to adopt Malachi, I doubted him again because we needed to – like fundraise a lot of money to be able to bring him home from Ethiopia. And again, I stressed and I made lists and I do all of the things that I do when I normally um, panic, which is like try to control the situation with an Excel document. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had done that and I God did it again. Like literally within 90 days, God had brought in, every single dollar that we would need to be able to bring him home from Africa. And um, yet again, to the tune of like, it was like 40 grand. Yeah. It was like $40,000 that yeah. we had to raise. And it, it happened in 90 days. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, we, we've, the, the bottom line is we, we've seen God do incredible things. And those are just two examples off the top of our head. There are, there are bigger ones, there are more personal ones, more relational ones that we've walked through. And that. I think we all have them. We all have those, those of us who know Jesus, we have those stories of the times when he has seen us through, whether that was like financially or um, just spiritually, but we're just forgetful people. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. I think the scriptures that talk about prone to wander or the songs, the hymns that we that we talk about, you know, the scripture says we're all like sheep who've gone astray. You know, we seek our own way. Um, and, and those things are very real. But I, I think there's a couple things that happen in the midst of that. But before I before I get to kind of the spiritual, emotional side. Um, in your line of work, even, you're thinking about some of these things and some of the data that's coming out surrounding anxiety and what the pandemic is doing to us as human beings around the world psychologically. And for, for work, it affects, you know, your clients and, you know, getting those of us who are consumers of goods to be confident to spend money again. But in that, you've learned some pretty interesting things psychologically about the ways that we worry. And I thought that might be helpful for people to hear. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the bottom line is that culture is ridden with anxiety right now. We're seeing it in the data, even in studies that have just come out since COVID-19 began. So, like, surveys that were fielded in, like, the last six weeks. Just about everyone is worrying and concerned to some level. Obviously, that's at varying degrees. Um, one of the more interesting segmentations that I saw recently is that 
you've got your financial worriers, right? People who are worried about, well, like what's going to happen with the economy and is it going to affect me individually? What's it going to mean for my house? What's it going to mean for my job? Then you've got the health worriers and those are the people who are like actually worried that they are going to get the virus. Um, and then you've got the everything warriors, right? And those are people who are just concerned about both, all of the above, everything, um, highly concerned. And there's some other interesting segmentations within those. Like we're seeing brands try to answer the complete cries of parents who are stressed out to the max by making their lives easier. So brands like Lego and Crayola and um, – even more local brands are trying to come to the rescue with like content to help parents who are completely stressed out. Or, you know, of course we're seeing like the stalker uppers, the people who are panic buying, right? Toilet paper, or it sounds like it's soon to be meat that we're going to be panic buying. Um, but, you know, as marketers, we try to like psychoanalyze people and place them in these buckets of how anxious are you and what are you anxious about and how can that's really what like we're thinking about is how can we as a um, brand, whatever brand we're working for, convince you that you should actually go to a restaurant again or you should actually go to a big event again or you should um, use this brand as a way to like help help you through the pandemic. But um, I think just like the state of the consumer sentiment has just been so daunting to me. I've never seen this before. Of course, no one's ever seen this before. So we're trying to, like, rewrite the playbook because we don't have one and we don't know what it's like to communicate with a world who is just ridden with fear like like we are. And the, and the data is showing it. And um, not only are brands trying to answer it, but I know that, like, you yeah. as a pastor are trying to figure out how do I help people navigate emotionally a time that is unlike anything we've ever seen before? Yeah, and so I think the first thing is that, like, it's real. You know, every human being is affected by it in some way, um, whether it be physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. You know, it, it's real. And you know, as we begin to unpack that, as you begin to unpack emotions, you know, three things I think jump out to me just about the human experience when it comes to emotions of things that are unknown or anxiety. I struggle with anxiety. Um, you know, my natural reaction isn't to get my laptop out and do an Excel spreadsheet. My natural reaction is actually to internalize and worry and have anxiety about stuff like this. And yet, in other things, I don't struggle at all to just, like, move in faith. So it's kind of weird. Um, One night we were laying in bed and we were like, let's play that game. What's the worst thing that could happen? If you watch This Is Us, you know, they <laughs> Randall and Beth, they play this game. And it's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You just think about the most outlandish, bad possible thing that could happen. You just say it, and then you feel better. <laughs> it's a good coping mechanism. It can be. It can be. But so like even even in my own life and, you know, talking with lots of other people and doing a lot of reading leading up to this, I think there's some things that jump out to me and human emotions. I think we go through a series of three things and I'm sure this is just scratching the surface, but but these, these seem to be um, 
the obvious parts of what we experience. So the, the first one is this, that when you go through the human emotions, that when something like this happens and it goes out of your control, you we experience shock. And I don't know about you, but like these levels of emotion I have certainly gone through, you know, even in this, like at the beginning, you know, we were actually out of town when all of this started to happen. We were in Tennessee and we were driving home and it was just kind of the shock of like people stopped going to restaurants. We had to close the doors of the church building. Um, and so you kind of go through that experience of shock and then it kind of turns into sorrow. So we experience that shock. Then it turns into sorrow like I'm losing some things in the process. And then it turns into struggle. So shock, sorrow, and struggle. And and those are just kind of the things that I think we go through. So I don't know if you are listening to this or watching this and haven't really taken time to um, ask those questions of yourself, but I would encourage you, you know, if you're struggling in this moment to, to go ahead and acknowledge that, you know, the, the first, you know, step to understanding what God's doing in your own heart is going to be to be honest. It's going to be to be honest about that. And so I know you and I are really different. And so those are things that, that I can pretty tangibly look at and feel. Um, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm like pretty in touch with how I'm feeling about things. So I um, have spent a ton of time in prayer. There's the shock of like what comes, well, like what you're seeing on the news. But when it starts to impact your own life, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this is real. Whenever at work we started to lose clients and you're like, okay, wow, this is real. This is going to get, this is going to get real for me. Um, the shock goes from just like, whoa, I'm seeing an unbelievable thing happening in the world to a real internalizing. Yeah. Yeah, And and mourning of what we had, you know, we mourn the, the way that life was. Mm -hmm. It's a grief process. Yeah. And so, I mean, we could talk all night about that, but I want to get to some other things here. And so as, as we kind of shift out of that and acknowledge that there's anxiety that's real, that there's this emotional process that's real, um, when we turn our attention to Scripture and we think about what is the way forward, what is God inviting us into in this moment surrounding everything that's going on, I think that the place we start, the floor, the thing that you can't see underneath everything is that we have to have a certain foundation. It has to be a certain foundation that, that we've built on something that isn't ours, that isn't under our control because we can't. We can't control everything in this life. And so in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, um, Jesus is telling a story about what we choose to build our life on. And here's what he says. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came. Storms of life, right? The winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And so 
in this moment, no matter what is facing any of us, no matter what loss, no matter anything, to, to move towards God's perspective, um, you know, we have to have a plan for our faith to overcome that fear, right? When Jesus says, you know, to take heart because he has overcome the world, what does that mean? What does that mean when I'm facing job loss or losing a family member or, and this can go beyond the pandemic and go beyond um, coronavirus. It can, it can be anything, you know, any number of things can happen and likely will happen that are just completely out of our control. And, you know, we can get in an accident tomorrow. You know, you can lose a loved one tomorrow and there's so many things out of our control. So, to move into that space where Jesus is inviting us to um, requires us to walk by faith, not by sight, which is what Scripture says. And so we build this foundation on the ways of Jesus as opposed to our own way. And that's incredibly hard. You want to speak to that? <laughs> I'm looking at you because you like to control. Yeah, you, I don't know. Surrender is a hard thing, but you got to do hard things. So... Yeah. Agree. <laughs> so I think what is that foundation then? What, what's the tangible foundation of the things that God has given to us? I, I want to suggest this, that, that there is a foundation of relationships and connectedness that we're all starting to recognize is a lot more important than maybe we either knew or perhaps we were just taking it for granted. Um, relationships and connectedness. Do you want to you want to speak to that at all? Just an interesting point is I know that like also to be the data geek, phone calls are actually increasing more so than text messages. Like we're seeing on a standard day the amount of phone call volume that you would typically see on Mother's Day <laughs> every year, right? That's how much people, like, we're calling each other more, I think, because that's part of the human condition. We long to be together. We need relationship. We need each other. And I think we're just learning that the screen is a subpar substitute. Yeah. It is just not as good. And we've had so much fun with our friends on screens. We just played games on Sunday night over Zoom, but it's just not the same as like real connection and real relationship. And I know that even somebody in our city group was saying um, this past week that they are trying to make it a point every single day mm -hmm. to make a phone call to somebody that they know they either need to connect with or are struggling with. And I thought, that is so good. Yeah. I need to make more phone calls uh, because it's a more personal way to to interact mm -hmm. and it's like maybe a little bit better of a substitute than the text than the text message yeah and i think scripture speaks to this too just about the way we're made the way we're made you know ephesians 4 16 talking about the church talking about people says this from him jesus the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work so you know the online experience is one thing, but, you know, we're compared in Scripture to a body. 
you know, and you can't like pull your arm off and put it in another room, you know, and we need each other. We, we actually need the human interaction. And even when it comes to the anxiety that we feel, it's, it's often through connecting with people. It's often through, you know, a hug or a conversation or somebody looking you in the eye and understanding what you're going through are the things that actually heal us, right? I mean, Philippians 4 talks about um, what we think about, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. So even God, it's we're told, is with us, that he's actually indwelling us and he's living through us. And so, you know, we're relational people, and so if, if I was going to encourage you watching this, if you're struggling with that, um, I would say a really simple, tangible step you could take is to commit to do two things every single day. Connect with God and connect with other people. And to not lay your head down at night unless you've done those two things. And that sounds really simple, but you know we're figuring out that you know, you can get in the rut of doing your homeschooling or doing like work or doing and, and suddenly recognize that a whole day's gone by. You haven't left the house. You feel disheveled <laughs> and you're like, OK, like, where did I spend time connecting with God and connecting with others? I'm going to speak to that at all. No, I think I. I did, you know, earlier where I just said, yeah, like I, I need to I know that I personally need to do better at that just make going out of my way to make the connection in the best way that I possibly can given the circumstances to not only make sure that uh, people know that I'm thinking about them and that they're loved and that I'm their real friend but because my soul needs it too yeah yeah that's good and so now I want to shift gears just a little bit and move into the parts so uh, a big part of this, and we've spent most of our time talking about this, is the things that are outside of our control. So there's a lot that is outside of our control, and um, we'll circle back to that at the end. But I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about where your wheelhouse is, and that is the things that we can control. So um, one of the things that can settle our fears and calm our anxieties is to put some structure around the things that we can control. And now we're moving out of my language and into your language. <laughs> but talk to me a little bit about the structure of purpose in life and the structure of routine in life. And so what, what I mean by that is, you know, the Bible's very clear in Proverbs 29:18 that where there is no vision, people perish. Or another version says, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. Chances are you're not just going to float your way into finding great purpose in life period, particularly when something like this happens and a lot of those things that you could mask your pain in have been taken away from you. You know, bars are closed, restaurants are closed, armature works is closed. Come on, somebody. But alcohol sales are up 36%, so but don't, don't fear because it's still going to be there. <laughs> but that's my point, right? You know, like a lot of the things that we spend our time doing, you know, we can't do anymore. And those are the places that I think a lot of us 
maybe went to hide from reality of what yeah. we're feeling and the emotions that we're having. Um, but but that's not without hope, right? You know, what what are some of the structures that, as you saw, our family spiraling into chaos, shall we say, that, you know, you've been able to help us with? I think it was more survival than it was purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just recognized super early that if it if we weren't really structured about our days, we weren't going to be able to survive them uh, because we had to homeschool three children and two of us have to work like the full day. So we... Um, we just had to break that day into chunks and do those same chunks and rhythms every single day uh, until eventually you got used to it and you stopped scheduling your calls when you weren't supposed to schedule your calls because <laughs> I had calls. Because, listen, in this house, you cannot have conference calls happening with both parents at the same time because chaos, chaos ensues. Um, and we got used to it, and the kids got used to it, and I think that they're beginning to thrive. And... Um, our daughter, especially who like wasn't loving preschool, is loving all the time that she's having at home. So for us, I think the structures and the routines initially began just out of necessity for survival, but they have evolved in this way that's given us purpose and um, an ability to really thrive when probably a lot of the world is is um, struggling. I think. I think we've we've got a rhythm that's working for us. Yeah, and I, I think that's important for anybody. You know, God is a God of order. You know, there's, from the moment God creates the earth, you know, he is showing us how ordered he is. And so that that begs a lot of different questions. But, you know, you said something there that made me think of, one of our values as a church, one of our values as a family, and that's to see the good. That, you know, it's very easy in these moments for us to see the broken. And, you know, we feel that, we experience that, we enter into that. And that's a big part of our experience. But an equally big part of our experience for our own psychological well-being is to look around and see the good. I mean, over and over in Scripture, we're told to be content. We're told to be thankful in everything. We're told to be um, persevering. We're told, you know, if we want to lead a godly life, we will suffer persecution. So, you know, the Bible's really clear that that things will be difficult, but we can see good things happening all around us. One of the things that we talked about early on in this is we want to redeem this time because literally never again will we probably in our lifetime be given the gift of being home with our young children for months and it be okay. Mm -hmm. So that moved from shock, sorrow, struggle to okay, Let's not think about this as the horror that it could be, but let's talk about what are the good things that can come from that. So you want to talk about some of that? 
Well, I think we started we started talking about this when we were driving home from Tennessee um, at the end of spring break, and we knew what it's like. School had just been canceled, and we knew we were coming home to mandatory work from home, no church, no school, no eating out. We knew that stay-at-home orders were on the horizon, and we began on this 12-hour drive to talk about, okay, like, how are we, how are we going to cope with this? And Mitch was like, we should take the opportunity to just teach the kids things that we would never have time to teach them otherwise. So I want to think about what can I teach the boys to fix, and you should teach Baylor how to cook. <laughs> and I was like... I have an idea. How about I also teach the boys how to cook, and you also teach Baylor how to fix things, lest we perpetuate the gender dynamic. I still have rough edges to, to soften. No, but I think it's so. It's like true that um, we like we've been given this gift of time, and it has just eliminated all of the hurry from our life. And we have time back. And how can we redeem that? And how can we use that with our kids? So, like, I know we're loving the opportunity right now that we get, we are teaching, we have, like, the school day to teach our kids the Bible. And it used to be, like, another thing we felt like we had to do to make sure we got it in in, like, the evening or the weekends to make sure that they were learning the Bible because um, at least one of our children and more um the plan is that two of the three of them will be a public school. That like so we we have to do it. There is no Christian school coming to our aid to teach them the Bible. We have to be the ones to do it. But we've been given this gift now that we have been given the time to do that, and they are they're learning the Bible. Mitch is doing Bible class, awesome. And so it's a sweet time. I'm trying to take pictures and. Be able to look back at this and, you know, if all of us can remain healthy and our fam- and our extended family can remain healthy, I think hopefully we'll be able to look back at this with some sense of fondness because um, it was sweet just that we can be together and even when we get under each other's skin, we can just do things that we never have time to do otherwise, like make banana bread every week. It's not good for the waistline, but it's so good though. It's pretty awesome. So good. I was reading something that that's become the like unofficial baked good of the pandemic. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. But you know, do you want to say more? I was just gonna say that I think I think the other thing is that um, in addition to you know not it, it has brought me to a realization of just how much of parenting is outsourced. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, we're not doing that anymore. We have the opportunity to be with them the whole day. And I feel like I can I know them so much better. You know, when they don't go to school, I, I totally know them so much better. And I think homeschool parents probably feel that on a regular basis more so than I do. But for me, it's been a gift that parenting can't be outsourced. And um well, of course, it probably shouldn't really be, but be, because of it, school being eight hours a day, that is the reality of, was the reality of life before. But then I think also that the kids are just learning to suck it up, right? That when life, when bad things happen in the world, they need to like be on the team 
that helps to get through it. And that's like little things for them. You know, it's, it's smaller changes for them. Like for Malachi, he is like a social butterfly and he doesn't get to go to school with his friends and his teachers that he loves so much. And so he's, you know, he's suffering with the rest of the world. And I had to tell Maddox that his, um, that <laughs> the Tyson meat plant <laughs> shut down and Tyson chicken nuggets. I can't find them in the store right now. Can't find them. And this is a big problem when it's like the one of two things that you <laughs> eat. So he has to eat the chicken nuggets that he doesn't like. And it's hard being a kid, but he sucks it, he's sucking it up. And it's good for kids to learn to suck it up and like suffer a little bit when the world is suffering. And um, that's what our kids with first world problems have learned to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. Some of those lessons and those are those are little ones, you know, and there's big ones happening too. Um, you know, and I think as we kind of circle back and close up here, you know, I think one of the things that's really important for all of us is to be thinking about those spiritual practices in the middle of this and finding a rhythm for that. And I think two of the spiritual practices that are really refining for us in these moments where there's some anxiety or some fear or chaos, um, things out of our control, um, is trust and self-control. Two really basic things that trusting in God and exercising self-control are really difficult but really essential. Uh, Proverbs 3 Five and six, if you are um, new to the church or new to the ways of Jesus, um, you should know that these are like stalwart (laughs) verses for Christians. And I I think they'll help you. Here's what it says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight you know as I was doing some reading about anxiety and about the things that a lot of our world is struggling with right now I was reading about this idea of learned helplessness and then I heard some other people talking about it and it was really interesting because uh, there's a very real thing that happens in the human mind that if we get beat up long enough it causes us to give up and you know, maybe you've never experienced that, but no doubt some of you watching this have experienced that. And, you know, I just want to encourage you in this moment that God is trustworthy. And, you know, as you think about that, here's what I want to encourage you to do with that. I want to encourage you to let go of the things that you cannot control and look at the things that you can control. So, you know, a lot of times it's it's good just to write those things down. It's good to list those things, pray about those things, and then release those things, um, and then work on what you what you can control, which we've talked about a little bit before. But do you want to add to that at all? Yeah, it's really good. So, um, as we as we kind of wind this down, I thought it would be appropriate for us to share with you a prayer of peace. A serenity prayer, it's often known as. Uh, there was a theologian back in the day named Reinhold Niebuhr, 
and I don't agree with everything that he's ever written, and we actually have some pretty big differences, but um, he wrote a prayer that I think will kind of ground us tonight and kind of help us uh, think about these things that we've been chatting about and really only scratch the surface on um, and, and give us maybe some handles or some language to move forward. So here, here's, what, here's what he wrote. Um, about peace he said god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference living one day at a time enjoying one moment at a time accepting hardship as a pathway to peace taking as jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you, God, will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. That's pretty good, isn't it? That 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 idea that there's so much in this life that I can't control, but the ones I can, I want to move in those spaces in wisdom, and I want to trust God to handle the rest. And I think a lot of times we want answers to everything, and God's really clear that his ways are higher than our ways, but that if we trust him, he's working all things together for good to those that love him. So, you know, I want to, I want to leave you in that place of trusting God and just say that your hope, your peace, your sanity, it's not found in the things of this world. It's not found in the things of this earth. Even if you get everything neat and tidy in your life and have it wrapped up nicely, it's not going to deliver the, the peace that you're wanting it to. And so the Apostle Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, to a group of people that he loved dearly and really cared for. And here's what he said. Here was his advice to them in the midst of difficulty. He, he said this, Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. And so I just want to leave you with that, you know, that, that tonight you can... Look at the shock, the sorrow, the struggle, whatever it is that you're going through. And even if it's minor, I think many of us aren't facing a, a massive thing, though some are. Um, but e- even just psychologically, there are little things that no doubt are happening in your world right now. And I just want to encourage you to lean into those things and, and pay attention to them and, and do some of those things that we've talked about um, And at the end of the day, recognize that your hope comes from outside of yourself. Maybe you're watching this and and you're not a Christian. You, you, you are not following Jesus and we're glad that you are watching because the human experience is a lot of times the same, even if it's not what you believe in. But, um, I would just encourage you that, that there is peace in this world and it's not found in the things that we can control, it's found outside of ourselves because we are all in need of help and we need each other for that and we need God for that. And so I um, just want to leave you with that encouragement.
But thanks for spending some time with us, and uh, thank you, Camden, for spending some time with us. Hit the heart button if you like me being here more than Carl. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Just kidding, Carl. In the comments section. <laughs> but, um, Camden, will you pray for us as we kind of close this up? Yep. Thanks. Let's pray. God, we um, ask you to forgive us when we forget how you provide. I pray that you would um, bring to mind right now all of the memories of the ways that you have uh, provided for your people and that you would give us the faith that you're going to do it again this time, God, regardless of what happens with the economy, regardless of what happens with our health. We know that um, you work all things together for good according to your purpose, and we pray that you would do it for us right now. So will you use this time to bind families together, to um, draw the hearts of singles closer to you? I pray that you would uh, teach us something new in this time, that we would take the opportunity of having extra time to spend it in your word, to get to know you better, to... Um, just learn intimately about your character, God. I also pray over Redeemer that you would remove any spirit of anxiety, that our church would be able to uh, just be a beacon of light and hope and peace to our community right now, uh, that we would be known as not a people of worry, but of complete confidence and faith in who you are and um and also in your promises, God. We love you so much, and we thank you for your provision. In your name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching, and we look forward to seeing you this weekend, same time, same place, praying for you. We love you. Have a great rest of your night.